Hey there, you're listening to the Dream Hustle Podcast with me, your host, Shana Rucker. This is the podcast where I share all the juicy details about how I build an online business and personal brand while raising a family of three teens, being a wife, feeding the dog, and somehow finding the time to get all the things done. Welcome to today's episode. Hey there, welcome to the Dream Hustle Podcast. I'm your host, Shana Rucker, and today, you guys, we have a very special guest. I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to sit down with Dean Graziosi, and if you guys aren't familiar with Dean, he is just an amazing entrepreneur. He has multiple New York Times bestselling books, including one of my favorites called Millionaire Success Habits. He is an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He has started or been involved in over 13 companies that have resulted in over a billion dollars in revenue. Dean has been dedicated to delivering self-education to those seeking transformation and success outside of the normal or traditional education paths. Recently, he partnered with Tony Robbins and they built the Knowledge Business Blueprint with the goal of making self-education viable for millions. You guys, he is um, just a huge leader in the industry of online business and training and coaching and course creation. He's got over a million followers on Instagram. And I was fortunate enough to be, you know, our, our dream hustle community. You guys, we do such a good job with this podcast. And you're a huge part of that, that they found our podcast like what we were doing here and uh, thought Dean would be a great fit. And Dean and I had a really awesome chat about all kinds of things that when I think of you guys and I think of my audience and I was trying to make sure the questions were based around things that I know hold you back because my job with this podcast is to really you know, help you guys get inspired to take action on those dreams that live inside of your heart. Because I know when you do and you realize it's not that scary, you're going to change the world. So Dean and I talk about all of that in today's episode, and I cannot wait to share him with you. So welcome Dean Graziosi to the Dream Hustle podcast. All right, Dean, welcome to the Dream Hustle podcast. I'm so, so excited to have you here today. Good to be here. Good to be here, Shana. Yes. And so, so just before we dig in, you're in Arizona, right? I am. I am. Love Arizona, spent some time there. And you just had a new baby as well. I did. I have a two-month-old. As of yesterday, he was two months old. He's so adorable. But, you know, you definitely have my my, uh, previous youngest is 11. So I haven't had a baby in the house in 11 years. And you absolutely have baby amnesia. You forget what those first couple of months are like. But it's so worth it. I love being a dad. So uh, it's Um, all good. I love it. It'd be interesting because my youngest is going to be 10 this year as well. And, and I think like how different would I be as a mom as, you know, in my forties versus when I, you know, I had, I started having babies in my twenties. Like, I'm like, who, how did I even do that back then? Yeah, no, you know, what's so funny. I, and not that we'll digress on that, but I always thought about it. Like my grandmother, I'm 51 and I have a baby, right? My grandmother, I was, uh, she was 47 when I was born. Okay. Right. Yes. And my grandmother just always was had this simple wisdom. It's only because we've had life experience, right? We've been on this earth longer, right? Yeah. So I feel like, um, I don't feel like a grandfather in any means. I feel yeah. 25, but um, I feel like he's getting the blessing of kind of more wisdom on this earth that I know I handle things completely different yeah. than I did even 13 years ago when my daughter was born, right? So I think he's, uh, he's going to be in a really good place. Yeah, I think I would be a lot calmer and I don't know, I think it'd just be a little different, but okay, well, I love to start off our interviews with your story into entrepreneurship. Every time I bring in an entrepreneur, I'd love to hear how you kind of transitioned into 
to this in your story, but with you specifically, because I've been diving into your book, The Millionaire Success Habits, you talk about some of the struggles and things that you had growing up. You moved a lot. You had some learning disabilities and things like that. How did those things impact your journey into entrepreneurship? So if you want to share your story and a little bit around that. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, and you know, I'll share my story. Listen, everybody here, first off, Shana, congratulations on what you're doing, impacting women and some men, I'm guessing, all around the world to start and become entrepreneurs, to overcome that fear, to, to lean into what their heart is calling and kind of not listen to the voices around them telling they can't or they're an imposter. The world needs women and people like you, Shana. So congratulations for choosing uh, this profession. And what I'll do is I'll share my story today just enough for you to see why I think you should listen today, right? I'm not going to share anything today that's theory. I'm not going to share anything that I hope could work. This will be out of pure experience from going, you know, going from somebody who had a learning disability and was scared. And like, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome today. It's a big thing. It's, I felt like the biggest imposter in the history of the world, right? I, I was going into business with probably a seventh grade reading uh, level, right? Um, my family told me I was nuts. Friends told me I was an idiot. So I know all those feelings. So I think I just, I'll share enough of my story to let you know that I know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to feel like an imposter. I know what it's like when people don't support you. I know what it's like to feel envious of other people getting ahead while simultaneously you're afraid to leave what you're doing or change something because what if you fail? What if you look like a fool? What if it doesn't work? What if you go broke? Oh my God, life would be over, right? I know all those feelings, but I also know what it's like to overcome that and get my first sale and get my 10th sale and get to a hundred grand a year and then fail and then get to a hundred grand a month and then fail and then get to a hundred grand a week and then fail miserably and feel like I was starting over. But I also know what it's like to get to a hundred grand a day. And I know what it's like to get to a hundred grand before 10 o'clock in the morning, before people have coffee every single day of the week. I know all those different phases. So as we talk today, no, I'm not coming here to you today as the guy sitting up on the hill with lots of money and life seizing. Oh, you should do what I do. I want to let you know, I never forget what it's like to be in the trenches, never forget what it's like to be scared. And the fact of the matter is I still have that little voice inside of me that tells me I'm not good enough. Oh, you, you stretch too far. Oh, now you want to be a New York Times bestselling author. Oh, now you're going to partner with Tony Robbins. Oh, now you're going to be on the stage of 20,000. You're with 20,000, but you're going to fail. You pushed it too far. You're a fool. Like I work on personal growth every day of my life. You're reading a book that sold a million copies. It was one of the best-selling personal development books of the last couple of years. This is what I do every day. And I still feel like an imposter. So I think I can share this through some really good eyes. So you asked me about my story. Simple as this. My, both my parents worked really hard. They, they divorced when I was three. They got married and divorced a lot. We moved a lot. Mm-hmm. But I was just really lucky. I, I, listen, this is in hindsight. I get to look back and realize I recognized at a young age, uh, Shana, that my, both my parents worked really hard. My mom worked three jobs. My dad worked in his collision shop from seven in the morning till seven o'clock at night, painted cars, got headaches. They both were hard workers and both of them had nothing. Both of them worried about money. Both of them were broke all the time. We lived in a trailer park. I lived with my dad for a while in a bathroom because it was the only place we had heat. I mean, so I just think at a young age, I'm like, this is BS. I'm not going down this road because what they're doing doesn't work. And unfortunately, so many times we emulate or model our parents and I was lucky enough to love them while simultaneously knew what they were doing wasn't working. Mm. And I just searched out other skills, other habits, like I wrote in that book. And slowly, but surely in high school, I started a firewood business. I cut down trees, sell firewood to half my teachers. Right out of school, I started uh, 
getting wrecked cars and fixing them up and selling them for a profit. And again, all these times in between, scared to death, afraid, but I compounded it. And a lot of times as I was going from car business to real estate, people said, you're crazy. You need money to make money with real estate. I was kind of young and dumb, Shana. And, and I just kept going forward. And I think some of us have to adapt young and dumb at this phase of our lives, right? You've heard <laughs> no too much. And then I got some really good momentum. Um, by my mid-20s, I was developing houses. I owned 20 plus apartments. I had a collision shop. I had a tow truck company. I had an auto, used auto sales. But then uh, I'm just going really fast here. I bought Tony yeah. Robbins course off of an infomercial and the guy took money from me for information. Like, and it fundamentally shifted my mind. I was already on my way to be successful. I might've already been a millionaire by there. Just meaning I owned a million dollars worth of assets. I didn't have a million in cash in the bank, right? My family said, you're nuts. You paid for someone to talk to you. You should get a refund, right? But when I realized I gave Tony Robbins money, he gave me knowledge and my, my life exponentially grew. I was completely hooked and I wanted to be in that industry. I wanted to help people mm -hmm. and get paid to do it. And that's when I created my first course. I created an infomercial in 1998. I went on TV. I had no idea what I was doing. I failed miserably. My family sat down with an intervention. So if you guys want to think about if you got someone in your life who thinks you're crazy, my sister drove from Virginia. I walked into my house and they were sitting down like they were talking to me about a gambling problem or a drug problem and said, okay, enough, Dean. You went from broke to having this, 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 and this. Now you're going too far. You're going to lose everything. It's stupid. Be happy with what you have. Like imagine looking at your family and your sister who just drove 13 hours to tell you this. Yeah. And I have to tell you for two days, Shane, I was like, maybe they're right. I'm not that smart. That villain, that, that imposter. And then I just said, they're wrong. Like they're wrong. I just felt it. And in hindsight, I promise you this, your inner self-doubt, your inner uh, villain, you know, that, that imposter syndrome, your friends telling you, I want to tell you, everybody listen, if you let's take one thing from me, take this. I promise you they're all wrong. Yeah. Your instinct, your gut, your desires are right. There's nothing you can't accomplish when you decide you're going to do it. When you burn the boat, stop listening to the voice. Stop listening to the naysayer. Stop listening to, well, this person tried and failed. They're not you. And something made me push forward. And thank God I did. I went on to, I'm a multiple New York Times bestselling author. I've started 13 companies. I've had more success than I could ever dream even possible. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that to inspire. If I listen to any of them along the way, if I listen to that gut inside of me telling me you're not good enough, where would I be? I, I'd be someone living a mediocre life, living a good life. Who the hell wants to live a good life, right? <laughs> if at the end of your life, God sits down with you and says, how was your life? And you're like, I was good. How was your impact on the world? That was good. How about your relationship? Oh, that was good too. I could picture God putting his hands on his head and being like, another one, good. What about outstanding? What about that you went for it, right? Yeah. So anyway, that's no, the extent I, of my story just to show I've been there. Yeah, and I think that's so awesome that you have. And I, I think the biggest thing that I want you know the audience to hear is that it's not the successes that have made you who you are. Would you not say it's the failures, it's the obstacles, it's the things that you you know, butted up again. 1000%. We grow so much more on our failures, right? I mean, just take this Winston Churchill's uh, 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 quote of the definition of success is going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. We all have to fail. And you know what? There, there might be a certain amount of failures. I want you to really hear this. Uh, I, I, and it's a silly phrase I talk about in the book, but it's, I call it success tax. Oh, yeah. Like, what if you have to fail six times 
And the seventh is when you reach your next level. The seventh is when your business starts to flourish. The seventh is when you prove everybody wrong. Maybe you have to fail 14 times. Maybe some people are lucky and there's only three. Maybe it's in the cards. Maybe it's already written by God or the universe, whatever you believe in. But what if you knew each time you failed, you navigated new territory, like mapping out the world before people had maps. You know, if you go over here, you fall off a cliff. Okay, let me mark that down. If you go over here, you find paradise. Ooh, that's good. I'll mark. All we're doing is navigating territory. We're mapping it out. And you might have to navigate more territory than the person next to you. And if that's the case, well, then keep going because... All I know is there's a, there's a threshold where you might fail three times and they go, no, nah, this isn't for me. This is for other people. And then you leave, live an okay life yeah. where the person who makes it just keeps going and keeps getting over the brick wall, getting through it, digging under it, keeps failing forward, going from failure to failure without losing your enthusiasm. And then just one day you get proof that this is real. Just and then it compounds and then it compounds. He reaches out to you and asks you to be on the podcast, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, and I, and I think that what's important to know too, is that the fear of moving forward and taking action never really goes away as an entrepreneur. Like you said, at every level it's there. It's, it's not about it going away. It's about learning how to move through it. Right? Exactly. We have to take, here's something else you should write down as an entrepreneur as someone who wants another level, as someone you know there's another level that waits inside of you, you 2.0, your full potential, whatever the heck you want to call it, we all have to take uncomfortable action. Mm -hmm. It's never going to feel comfortable. You know what's comfortable? Going to a job that you don't like every day. It's comfortable because you know the way to go in, you know what person you're going to deal with, you know where you sit, but is it really making you happy? Mm -hmm. Imagine that for the next 5, 10, 20 years and you know you have more to give the world and you don't. That's that's massively uncomfortable. That's the end of your life, having so much uncomfortable. You're un being uncomfortable actually is regret. Yeah. So we have to take imperfect and uncomfortable action. That's, mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. When you get married, you're taking uncomfortable action. <laughs> you don't know and navigate. When you have a baby, you're taking <laughs> uncomfortable action, right? You're, yeah. But you're learning as you go. Yeah, absolutely. I remember thinking, I, I, I say this a lot to my, my clients and stuff, and I'm like, you know, my biggest dreams before I became an entrepreneur when I worked in corporate was to get the corner office and the Blackberry back then. And that was my biggest dream. And now I dream of living in California. And I have all of these new, it's, it's like my life just expanded when I became an entrepreneur because my everything- Because there's that, no limits. Yeah, right? There's no limits. And you touched on something. You said- when you started, you invested in the tapes from Tony Robbins. And I feel like that's one of the sticking points for a lot of people is that, you know, they want to do this thing. They want to become an entrepreneur. They're struggling with figuring it all out and they know, or maybe they don't know that they need to really invest in getting the right help in order to, to move it forward. So can you give some insights on, cause I know you've spent probably a lot of money in a year investing in personal growth and stuff like that. So for the person who's afraid to put the money in, you know, can you share or shed some light on yeah. that? Yeah, so, so I'm going to pre-qualify this. As long as you're learning from someone who's already been there, that's the mm -hmm. self-education industry. It's something I'm obsessed in. I've been, I've been in this industry for over two decades, right? As long as you're learning from someone who's already been there, not someone who just talks the talk, but someone who actually walks the walk. Mm -hmm. Let me just ask you your other options. Are you going to go back to college to figure it out? Do the yeah. statistics on going back to college. I'm not not bashing college because I didn't go. Do the numbers. People go back to get their master's degree or their, their business degree or even their doctorate. The money they spend, I mean, literally there's a statistic where somebody has to spend $100,000 or more for mm -hmm. two years extra school to hopefully get a $7,200 a year raise. Same building, same place, and you hope to get the raise, right? 
The school system has epically failed all of us. The world has been growing exponentially fast. And the only thing that's changed in the college system in most cases is the blackboard is now a whiteboard or a computer screen. Not much has changed where the world, we have the same college courses now as before this thing in our hand was invented. It's a shame. It's a disaster. It's why kids are getting out of exiting out of college faster than ever. There's a whole generation of millennials with angst. They went to school, they have degree. It's worthless, right? So your, what are your choices? Go back to school, do the Google it. It's not working. Or your second option is try to learn on, through your own trial and error. How does that work out? You feel overwhelmed. You feel jealous. You don't know the technical side. You don't know the art side. You don't know the science side. You're trying to figure it out and go, I'll figure it out on my own. That's not working. The world is growing way too fast. The world is growing at an exponential level. And the fastest way to your end result is learning from someone who's already been there. I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but that is your path. Why would you try to figure out how to get your digital marketing business going or or be a part of the digital economy or enter the information age or create a knowledge product or create a course or a mastermind or a workshop or write a book or, or whatever? Why would you try to do it on your own when someone's already done it and is willing to share that with you? You could start off where they left off, right? I want to start off on third base. I don't want to start off trying to, yeah, just condense decades into days, right? So you really have to shift that because we've all been programmed that we go to, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, then college, and then we stop learning and join the workforce. The most successful people in the world realize, and Napoleon Hill said it in 1937, real education begins when traditional education is over. And that's gaining specialized knowledge, self-education from people who've already done it. So, I mean, that's why, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to want to do what Shana does, you should learn from Shana. Mm -hmm. Why would you try to figure out what she figured out over the last decade when you could possibly learn it in a weekend or learn it through a course I've spent in conducting or being a part of masterminds and trainings. I spent over a million dollars, but but I've, gen- but I've been blessed that my brands and my company have generated hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. So, you know, what's my ROI? I have a way better ROI than someone who spent a hundred grand to be a doctor, you know, or 300 grand to be a doctor. Yeah. And it's funny because I even, when I first invested for my first coach, I had to borrow money to do it. Like it was scary, but that's like, it fast tracked my success. It got me where I wanted to go faster. And I was able to like 10 X that first investment. So it's, it's almost like it's a necessary part of the process. Would you say, because here's the thing that I, I hear a lot of people say as well, especially with this time. I mean, there's this pandemic. People are realizing online is, you know, the way is definitely a way to go to continue. Like I, my business hasn't missed a beat since this pandemic started. Neither is my husband. We're both online entrepreneurs. So people right now are like, okay, I see the, I see why this is important. I should do this, but I don't know what I should do. Like they, they don't, they don't feel like they have any skills or what their, what their zone of genius should be. So how do you help somebody, you know, maneuver through that? Yeah. Great, great question. So now I'm going to talk through it. Everybody listen, I'm talking through the lens of selling information because information changed my life when I bought Tony Robbins course. And then Tony introduced me through his tapes and courses through to Wayne Dyer and Napoleon Hill and Jim Rohn and Eckhart Tolle and Deepak Chopra and coach John Wooden. And I went down this fair. I'm like, oh my God. Like when I was in high school, my guidance counselor said, oh, you're not going to college. Okay. Go work in the local factory at minimum wage. Like there was nothing in the middle. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, holy crap. But there's this middle road called self-education, which unlocks the treasures of people who've already been there. And once you get addicted to it, Cheney, you probably feel this way. I'm addicted to learning. I listen to a book at least an hour a day, every day, always, either on business, marketing, 
or, or stories of history because history is bound to repeat itself, right? And just from books, I've transformed my life. So if you're just thinking about, yeah, this, this online thing's not going away, not only is it not going away, if you take the information industry, right? People learning online, like I said before, they're not going back to school. They don't want to learn through trial and error. They want to learn from people who've already been there. They don't want to learn from professional teachers who just teach. They want to learn from professional doers that are willing to share what they've done. Remember what I said. And here's what I'll say. You know something other people don't and they want it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to oversimplify it. You listening right now, watching, you know something, you have an experience. You went through a mess that can become your message. You have an experience and a skill you have. Somebody is starting off at day one and they're looking around going, back to college? No. Learn on my own? No. I want to learn from someone who's been there. Who's willing to share what they've done, right? And, and the last thing I'll, I'll say about this before you ask me a specific question, I'll share it with you, is when someone says, well, what's my knowledge worth? Let me just ask you this. You're listening right now. If you could, if you had two days to prepare, and you knew you got to spend one full day with your 20-year-old self, mm. what would that be worth to you? Mm. Really think about it. What would it be worth to you? What would you pay? There's only two answers I always get, priceless or millions. That's what everybody says. You, I guarantee Shane and everybody listening, you are thinking of one or the other, priceless or millions, right? Yeah. Well, there's somebody else starting off that needs what you know, mm. right? And when you have the ability to learn to extract that information, that knowledge, that skill, that experience of life, there's people at home, the knowledge industry right now, you ready for this, is a $365 million a day industry. Forbes predicted it's going to be a billion dollars a day by 2025. This is where the world's going. People are paying for knowledge, paying for information because they know that's the fastest way. And they're willing to pay someone like you if you'll take the time to extract it and share it. And, and I can go deeper on that and how to find what to share. You, you guide me here, Shana, because well, I, I go down this rabbit hole. I know. Well, here's the thing that I, what I often find is that when I'm, when I'm working with somebody or someone hires me to say, okay, I want to do this, the thing that they end up wanting to do is something that they've experienced. It's something they've been through. So their ideal clients and those people that they're trying to work with are often former versions of themselves, right? So it's like when you're thinking of who do you, who could you best help and serve in this world? Like, what are your experiences? What have you been through? Like, because even if it's something as divorce, well, there are many, many millions of women out there who are trying to navigate a divorce right now and have no idea what to do. And the only support they have is a lawyer or this, right? Yep. Not somebody who's actually been through it that can give them that same emotion. Oh my God. Like, so brilliant that you said that. There's so I, many use that I use that example all the time because I, I know the exact woman I'm thinking of right now that she wanted to be in this industry. And my partner, now it's so funny, I bought that course from Tony. Now he's my partner and dear friend. We created a process called, we call it the KBB method. Long story short, the knowledge broker method. When she first got in, she's like, I have a heart to serve, but I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to school for this. I'm not a teacher. I've never coached anybody before. She didn't even know what she was going to do, but she still became a part of our community, right? And then it hit her one day. She went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. She felt alone and scared and she started taking out on her children. And she realized one day that her children were suffering because of decisions her and her ex were making. They were fighting, they were making bad decisions. And in one day she said, this is over. And she created a framework to have an elegant divorce, to be friends with her ex, to make it child-centered. 
And then one day she, when she, I got goosebumps, she's like, oh my God, that's my message. How many, how, how many people got a divorce and they're doing it ugly and it's affecting the kids and I can help them. Now that's all she does. She's called the divorce coach. She does masterminds, group trainings, one-on-one saying, hey, stop it. Smacking parents around and say, figure out a way to have a, a, a responsible, respectful relationship, putting compassion first so your kids can thrive. That's her whole business. That's her calling. That's her life. And she's busier than she could ever imagine because just what you said. I mean, I always say this when people say, uh, but who would listen to me? Let me ask you this. 20 years ago, it may have been different. When I first got in this industry 20 plus years ago, it wasn't that cool. When Tony got in 40 years ago, it wasn't that cool. It is the new norm now. Because think about this. Answer me this in your head because I can't hear you. Everybody who's listening right now is in today's world. If you were going through a divorce, which I hope that never happens to you, I'm just saying, if you're going through a divorce and it was ugly and you knew it was affecting your children and you had one or two choices, you could go to a therapist who's got the degree and the initials after their name and no knocking, I'm not knocking therapists, but they've never been through a divorce. They only know how to give advice. They don't know the pain of it. They don't know the lonely nights. They don't know feeling scared if you're going to be okay, if you're going to be helpless, will your kids be okay? All of those emotions. They don't, they didn't personally experience them, but they went to school for it. Or... You could go to the woman I'm talking about who went through the pain, had the troubles, and now she's thriving. Her and her ex are friends and her kids are on fire. Just asking it, which one would you go to? Totally. I know 90% of you, because I've done this in front of rooms, 90 to 95% are going to say, of course, I'm going to go through, go to someone who's already been through it. Hmm. The world's realizing that you've been through stuff and the world wants it. Yeah. Well, that's what, it's so funny because I, the, the thing that they'll often come to me, my clients will be like, but I'm not certified. Like I don't have like a certificate in coaching or I don't have this. I'm like, but you have experience. Like, you know what it feels like to be on the other side of this and you have tangible tools to help someone to get through it. That's worth more than somebody who has never, never experienced it, but has the certificate on the wall. And I'm not knocking that stuff either. There are times and places for those certificates and stuff, but you know, in general, like you say, the knowledge business, like you can teach people what you know and they'll pay for it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like that's the best part is they'll pay for it. Okay. So I want to switch gears over here a little bit. I want to talk about money because one of the things that you do talk about in your book, the millionaire success habits is about, you know, creating that, the, that income goal for yourself, having that like money goal, having that vision for where you're going. And I actually recently, it's funny. I recently did a podcast of this on, uh, on this as well as like, you need to have that vision, but also know like how much is it going to cost you to have that vision and to be able to say, I want to make a million dollars a year and not feel guilty or feel bad or yeah. shameful for talking about wanting money. So I'd love to hear that because I think it's, I believe it's important. Yeah. So two things I want to share to start. When people say money can't buy happiness, I said, well, you've never made enough and given enough away yet. Because when I give money away, it's the happiest feeling in the history of the world. When I retired my parents in my 20s, it was the happiest feeling ever watching them struggle their whole lives. They never had a struggle. The other thing I want you to think about is if you can cut a check for the problem, you don't have that problem. Just being honest, think of the problems right now you have of lack of money. A problem might be that you go to a job you hate. Problem might be that you watch your husband, your wife work their ass off for lack of a better word. And you wish you could stop that pain. The problem may be that your parents are living on social security and they don't get to experience anything fun in their life. And if you could send them each grand a month or two grand a month, what would that do for their life? You cut that check, you solve that problem. You want to help a charity, you want to help your church. It solves that problem. And remember this, when you make money, you are not taking it from someone else. 
That is a terrible feeling that so many people have. It's not, if you're making money, that means you're the one that steps up and you get to help flourish the economy. Let me just ask you this. If you made more money, if you made more money, would you hire someone to clean your house, mow your lawn, maybe go grocery shopping for you? Would you hire people to do the things you don't like so you could work on the things that are great? If you do, that means you're flourishing the economy. The person cleaning your house takes care of their family. The one mowing your lawn takes care of their family. That's how capitalism works. That's how the economy works. And if you give, if you decide to give a bunch away, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So don't make, listen, here's, here's the thing. Let's just get, let's just get, let's talk turkey here. Let's get real. Let me just get real here. So many of you are saying, I don't really want, I feel greedy wanting money. That's BS. BS right now. Let me just tell you this. If you were, if money was on one couch and you were on another couch and a therapist was in the middle, they would think you're insane. You'd look over at money and say, I don't want them. I think I'd be greedy to have it. Well, what's your problem? Well, I want to do more with my life. I want to take care of my family. I want my husband. It's the therapist like, are you freaking crazy? You say you don't want them, but now you're saying you need them. It's like being in a, in a terrible relationship. Just admit more money would solve problems and allow you to be a better version of you. When I got money out of the way, I went and got therapy about things I went through when I was a kid. I started eating better. I started getting a coach to work out better. I, I learned about nutrition. I studied history so I could be better about the future. Money solved the problem of not being stressed about it. And I became a better version of me. I attracted the love of my life. I'm in the best relationship because I got a love coach, because I became a better version of me, because I became a better man. I became a better dad. Like money solves problems. And simultaneously, I mean, listen, I'm not saying this to brag, Shana, because I, I, oh, I don't mean it. that in any way. It's all yeah. relevant. But I was at my at Tony Robbins 60th birthday party and he didn't want a fancy party. He wanted the whole thing structured around operation, uh, underground railroad, which helps, uh, rescue girls in slavery, which I didn't even know was so bad. There's more women in slavery now than there was at any other point in history, right? Millions of, and a lot of them are nine to 13 years old. They're they're It's terrible. I go to his uh, birthday party and he wants the whole thing around raising, he wants to raise as much as he can that night through an organization that goes in. It's like Navy SEALs. They go into these different places around the world and they go in and just steal these women and rehab them. I mean, I'm goosebumps the whole time. And I give a certain way uh, money away every year. I don't tithe to a church. I just decide a certain part of my income goes in different direction. And I'm at the, I was so touched that three quarters of the way through, they said, let's do a raise. And people are like, I'm giving 10 grand, 50 grand. They're up to millions of dollars. And I gave a half a million dollars. I was the second largest donor of the night. I was in tears. My wife was happy. We went up and and just, I felt it in my heart. When somebody says money doesn't buy happiness, I know that every $1,800 or every $2,200 of that half a million rescues a girl who was robbed from her family that's being raped. and, And we don't have to get into that. But whatever it is for you, know that money can do that. And if you want to give it away, you can. But imagine the feeling of knowing you earned the money through your own sweat, through your own abilities, through your own creativity, that you overcame the obstacles. You didn't listen to the naysayer that lives inside of you or the naysayer that lives next to you. You made it happen. And if you decide to give it all away, congratulations. You want to give it to your parents, your spouse, congratulations, but don't dare tell yourself the crap ass story that money doesn't help. That's BS. That's your subconscious trying to protect you. Go, you know, I'd make money if I, you know, wasn't greedy. Bullshit. I'm yes. calling BS on you. Yeah. Cause you have to grow it. Like in order to earn more, you have to grow and change. And then you're absolutely Whoa. the same thinking right now is not going to, the same thinking you have that got you here is not the same thinking that'll get you there. Yeah. Right. So you're going to have to grow as a human. 
Yeah. And it's okay to want money, to want things for yourself. Like money buys me experiences and it makes me happy when I can get dressed in the morning and, you know, have my hair done right with the right stuff and the right clothes and all the things like there's all kinds of different things. And I think that people think that there's a limited amount of it out there. And so by wanting more, they're taking it away from somebody else or whatever, but they have to understand that it's energy. It is, it is everywhere. And there's so much good that happens through that emotion or that transfer of energy between money from person to person. Absolutely. And so there was a couple of things, other things in your book that I wanted to touch on. And I just have a couple of questions from my audience and then we'll wrap this up because you're just giving so many great tips. You talk about the avoiding weaknesses and focusing on what you're good at. So can you explain that? Like, cause I think people get hung up on the fact that I, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. And I just listened to this in your podcast this morning too, about mastering your strengths. Yeah, I think the biggest lie we've ever been told is to work on our weaknesses. When you work on your weaknesses, Shana, when you work on something you're not good at, does it gain, does it build your confidence or make you feel like crap? No, it makes me frustrated. (laughs) Yeah, okay, right? So, and can you ever do anything creative in your life when you're frustrated? No. Right? Like, when my confidence is down or my frustration is up, I've never came up with my next creative thought. I've never invented anything. I've never thought of my next campaign or a chapter in my book. You just feel like plain small. But what people will do is try to get good at what they suck at. That's just basic terminology. Excuse my uh, <laughs> candid meaner, demeanor, but it's, it's the biggest lie we've ever been told. I still have a really tough time with spelling. I don't have a vast vocabulary. I have a tough time reading. I listen to books. I had dyslexia really bad. When I write a book, I'm, I'm a multiple New York Times bestselling author. My newest book, The Underdog Vantage, is number six. But I have to tell you, I need an editor to help me. Mm-hmm. And because I'm really bad at, at all of that, right? But who cares? Yeah. I still know how to tell a story. I'm not good at writing. I'm not good at an articulating incredible, an incredible vocabulary. But I could tell a story that makes an impact on people's lives. And that's all I need to do. Yeah. And, and here's what I want to tell you is I remember in school focusing and being judged on an outdated scorecard. I felt dumb all through school. I remember Mrs. Thompson in seventh grade just sounded out. Are you stupid? Just sound, She called me stupid twice a month. That wouldn't, that wouldn't go. That wouldn't you know, work in today's world, but the world was a little different 40 years ago, right? And I remember thinking, I'll never be anything. Only because I had dyslexia and couldn't spell, that was BS, but no one told me that. No one told me that if I figured out what I was good at, I can watch something or listen to something, Shane, I could do it like that. When I was a kid, I could watch somebody drive a bulldozer, I can get on the bulldozer and drive it. I could watch somebody paint a car like my dad, I'd go paint the car the next day. If my dad gave me a manual to read on how to paint or how to drive a bulldozer, I never would have got through chapter one. So I had to find my strengths. And here's just the the quickest lesson, is you're holding things since you were little that you're not good at. Let it go. You're always going to be bad at it. Who cares? Instead of trying to get good at what you're bad at, get amazing at what you're already good at. Allow that to make you money, move you forward, and pay people eventually to do the stuff you suck at. That's the way people get successful. That's how they go ahead. Your teachers and unfortunately your parents were wrong. Yeah. The hell with the stuff you suck at. Let it go. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I, for me personally, like I've hired someone to help me do some of these things that I'm like the, the organizing stuff I'm not good at. And it actually leveled me up because one, now I have an investment. I have to pay someone to do these things. And it of course, like kind of, and you want to get an ROI on their time. Yeah. Right. So now I'm like leveling myself up going like, I have a VA now. Like I gotta, I gotta like make stuff happen over here. One to pay for her and two, just to like give her stuff to do. Right. Yeah. 
It totally levels you up. Okay, so I have a couple questions for my audience because I was so excited that we were chatting. I was on my Instagram and, and asking them about what they, you know, what they would want to ask you. So are you okay if I ask you just a couple yeah, questions? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Audience? Let's go. So this one was really good. Um, and the question was, if you were to start all over today as an entrepreneur, so let's say you were working a job and now all of a sudden you, you're ready to, to hit the online entrepreneur space, what are the first three things that you would do to get started? I would absolutely positively go in the information industry because people pay for knowledge. I don't have to buy a product or a service. I don't have to have an Amazon, you know, uh, warehouse. I don't have to ship anything. Yeah. And today's world technology allows you to deliver. Look, we're talking on a zoom call right now. Like we can deliver value with the flick of our phone or our computer. There's no delivery cost. There's no expense to build it. And it's extremely valuable. So number one, I would go in the information business. Secondly, I would pick something that I've already experienced. Listen, I'm a multiple New York times bestselling author. I could teach you how to write a book quicker and faster than anyone. Cause I'm coming from a guy who has dyslexia. I went through a divorce and my kids are thriving. My ex is a friend and I found the love of my life. I'm, I'm a, in a three-year relationship that every day gets better. We got married last year. We just had our baby. Like I could teach going from the ugly pain of divorce and do that with compassion and emotion and making your kids thrive and, and then finding love. My wife, my ex is happier. I'm happier. And, and I could teach that. I could teach people how to be in the information business, which I do like I do with Tony Robbins. I could teach people real estate. Real estate's what allowed me to become successful. I, so my whole point is my life experiences, I would say knowledge industry, I would pick which industry and then I would niche that down. You're not just in the real estate industry, not just in helping write a book. I, I would pick, I would niche it down to the smallest piece. Like if it was if I was talking about um, going through a divorce, I would say, I want to go after people that are going through a divorce, that are heart centered, that are worried about their kids, worried about their future and want to make their kids thrive and want to be in love after. Like I would niche, niche, niche down because there's still people that want that exact thing. I wouldn't just, I wouldn't teach how to save it. I wouldn't be a, a marriage counselor. Like I wouldn't want to teach people that don't have kids. Like I would niche it down really far. And then I would start sharing that information everywhere I could. And I would do a Zoom call training because then I don't have to build a course. I don't have to write a book. I would say neck in two weeks, I'm doing a Zoom call. I'm doing them for four weeks, two hours at a time. Going to show you how to thrive in uncertain times. I'm going to show you how to do real estate. I'm going to show you how to write the book. And I would deliver it through Zoom and I would charge X amount for the Zoom call and I would get my momentum and I'd be back in the game. Yeah. So showing up consistently, getting yourself out there yeah media. You know, it's not like the old days where it's like you had to have, you know, bricks and mortar and then you created the website and the logo and the branding. Now you can just know what you want to do and just create the social media channels and start, start talking, you know, and just start sharing. And that's how quickly things can. can yeah, I mean, last, last two weeks I did a challenge. I called it the start over challenge. I did the entire challenge. I taught every day live in a Facebook group, a yeah. free Facebook group. And I did most of it from home just yeah. like this speaking into my computer and it was unbelievable. We had 125,000 comments. The campaign itself was unbelievably successful. All of it done through outlets that all of you listening have access to. Okay, so question number two. Someone who is trying to transition out of a full-time career, so they've got a full-time job and they're starting their knowledge business, they're just getting things going, like what's your best advice for someone who's trying to, they're trying to move from one to the other because I yeah, know yeah. it's scary to live, you know, to leave the, security and the paycheck and all that kind of stuff. So what would so you- So two quick things. One, know that if you stay where you are, you will continue to get what you already have. So every time you think of going back to the safety net, just think if it's five years from now and you're still in that job, how would you feel? 
So every time you think of going back, think of that shitty ass feeling you're going to have in five years from now when you let fear stop you. So that'll keep you moving forward. And secondly, you probably have to keep the job until the new career pays for itself. I had to do the same thing. I had to stay in cars before real estate started working. I had to stay in real estate until self-education started working, until I was in the knowledge industry, right? Here's what I want to tell you to do. Don't hate the job. Find a way to love it because it's your launching pad. Most people will hate the job and you'll resent it and you'll feel like crap. Say, no, this is just the launching pad and it's temporary. Find a way to love it. Be a better employee. Light it up. Because how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. And then the third, I guess there's three things. The third thing is start analyzing what the hell you do on a regular basis and say no obsessively. Get mm -hmm. a pen and start knocking off all the things that you do that don't serve you, God, your bigger future, you, you being an entrepreneur. Say no to everything. Say no to hanging out with the friends that make you feel bad. Say no to happy hours for a while. If you take a temporary time to work harder, you can have a lifelong of living easier. Mm -hmm. So say no to everything possible and that Wherever you said no and there's free time, spend that on working on being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So then as that, as that grows and then all of a sudden when your entrepreneur journey makes you more money than the job, then say la vie with the job. Yeah, I love that. And that's from your, you also mentioned your what not to do list. You, yeah. know, you, you don't realize you're guilty from some of those things. Like you get into bed at night and you're like, I should be reading, but you catch yourself scrolling or whatever. And it's yeah. like, those are times that's, that's important times. So those are great, great tips. Okay. So just before we wrap up, I know you are a big fan and, and I am as well of people like Earl Nightingale. You've mentioned Napoleon Hill here, like all of those thought leaders from the mentors you've worked with. What's the biggest lesson that you've learned and implemented that's had the most impact on your business or on your success? Yeah. Um, probably from Jim Rohn that success leaves clues mm. that, it's not rocket science. If you read all those books tangibly, like if you boil them all down, they all have the similar messages and the small things are always the big things. And I would say from Eckhart Tolle and Michael Singer, Michael Singer who wrote The Untethered Soul, Eckhart Tolle wrote The Power of Now, is that your thoughts can be the biggest killer of your success. So we have, have to be the observer of our thoughts. If you're having a bad day, if you feel like you can't, it's not because the world changed that day. It's because your thoughts are telling you that. If you're having an empowering day and think you could do it, nothing changed in the world that day. It's your thoughts telling you you can. So be the observer of your thoughts. Throw away, throw away the thoughts that are disempowering you and fill your mind with the ones that could take you forward. Thoughts become things. And I'm always talking about creating an awareness around what you're thinking because it dictates your future, right? Absolutely. So, all right, Dean, thank you so, so much. Now, if people want to find you and I know they will, and they want to dig into more of your content, where are you and where should they go? All right. Two things would be best. One, you could follow me on Instagram only because I'm there all the time. I do a training every single day. So it's at Dean Graziosi on Instagram. I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, I, that page has been growing like crazy. So I must be doing a lot. <laughs> What's that? I said, I've been tagging you a lot since then. Yeah, so I, I must be doing something right because we just blew past a million followers. So I think I'm, I'm doing something right there. And then secondly, if you want to be in the knowledge industry and you'd love to watch a two-hour training with Tony Robbins and I, go to deanstraining.com, deanstraining.com. Uh, it's something that'll really open your eyes. If, you're, if you want to investigate about being in the knowledge industry, you should absolutely watch that. And I will definitely put all of that stuff in the show notes. So Dean, thank you so, so much for being here. I know my Dream Hustle community is excited to hear from you. And this has just been such a pleasure. I appreciate your time and just thank you so, so much. All right, Chana, keep up the good work. 
Okay, guys, did you love this episode or what? Dean is amazing. And if you did love this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could share this in your Instagram stories. I always just take a screenshot of my favorite podcasts as I'm listening to them. And I tag the podcaster and I tag any of the guests. And sometimes I even share a takeaway of what I learned on the podcast. So if you would do that, if you loved it, I know that there is somebody out there who needs to hear this. And by sharing it, it helps it get more views and more listens and it helps more people. And as well, you guys always know, I am super grateful for your five-star reviews on the Dream Hustle podcast on iTunes. So feel free to leave one of those as well. It means the world. Okay, guys, that's it for me. Hope you guys are well and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.